be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast so you have access to new content as soon as it comes out. And don't forget to share it so you can be a part of that ripple effect of Go Be Love. And if you're someone who's struggling with the Go Be Love concept, if you're someone sitting at home hurting, think you'd benefit from some coaching, or if you're an organization that's just looking to add chaplains into your workforce, go to gobeloveinc.com and schedule a free 15-minute session with me now. Joshua, local chaplain and life coach. So I just wanted to come and we're going to start this episode of Go Be Love, this season of Go Be Love. And I just wanted to kind of give you a little background of who I am before we get started. So just part of my, my story in my childhood, I, I grew up just never, I never met my mom. My uh, I was raised by my biological father who was uh, just abusive in, in all of the ways of abuse that you can be. Um, he constantly used me just in different ways. And, and in those early years, I was kind of taught by the adults in my life that I was more of an object than a human being. And that, that kind of object mentality or mindset stuck with me. Eventually, he was caught up and everything. And I was put into foster care and kind of bounced around a little bit. Later on, I was eventually adopted. But by then, I had developed so much trauma and just everything had gone on that I was diagnosed with PTSD, which back then I don't think they called it that, but that would be what they call it today. And I was institutionalized in and out of elementary school. It, it really became a, a thing with uh, the kids that I went to school with that I was only going to be there for a year. I'd be there a year, gone a year, there a year. And it, that just kind of became part of my life. It all ended really in high school. I, I mellowed out a little bit. And really what happened was through all the institutions, I just learned how to hide all of the everything that was going on and and I learned what like the world thought was normal and what I needed to do to um to fill that role to be normal and through through all of that really I just didn't I never had one real place to stay I never really had one group of people or like leadership or mentor I just really never felt like I belonged and it, it really just created this concept in my mind that I was an object and that I, there really just wasn't like a place that I fit or, or belonged really in this world. But I made it through high school pretending. Late, late in high school, I was actually invited to youth group. And when I went to youth group, it was just one of those magical moments where everything just felt like, you know, the, the youth leader was talking directly at me. And, um, and he really just had this, there was just this sense of family that I hadn't experienced before. So I remember that night I got saved and um, gave my life to Christ and just instantly I wanted to be a pastor. I knew that my calling was to help people and to serve people and I just I wanted to be a pastor and, and I just like that's all I could think about. So I went right away to uh, New York after I graduated to a Bible college, the first one that I was introduced to and it was there I started to learn a lot but I also the PTSD and everything from high school that I had blocked or managed to kind of hide away. Uh, it just really overdeveloped, and being there by myself and not knowing anyone, I didn't really have any comfort there, so I, I really I got out of control, and uh, the PTSD started creating flashbacks, and that led to seizures, and I didn't want to tell anyone. I was kind of in a new place where no one knew me as this abused kid, so I, I got to start over there, and I really didn't want to want to bring that up or let anyone know that, so I just hid it. When I came home, for what was supposed to be a week vacation or a week break, and it was right around graduation time. So I went to a graduation party with some friends. They gave me, I, I drank some alcohol, and it was really the first time in a long time that I remember being 
just genuinely numb and all of the like craziness of the of the flashbacks and you know the seizure all of that stuff was just numb and I was calm and it felt really good and it was a really crazy night that first night I drank the party got busted I ended up running through the woods all of this stuff but even in all of that craziness I I just felt numb more numb than I'd ever felt and that really started me down the path of my my active addiction I never got back on the plane to go back to school by the end of that week I moved into a car that I, I bought $300 out of a barn and, and lived in it. For 20 years, I, I lived that way. I, I let the desire to be numb guide my decision-making. So I made decisions. I treated people in, in ways that I regret now, and I, I just did things that my character and my spirit really wouldn't do because, for me, the, the thing that was most important was just being numb. I didn't want those flashbacks to come back. I didn't want to feel that that pain or that hurt anymore I just wanted to be numb and that I let that guide every decision that I made I had really good moments I I hit multiple times I got I was successful in whatever career I decided to go into but it never it never lasted Um, eventually everything would come out and I would crash and, and ruin everything and have to start over again and that was just a cycle in my life for 20 years of feeling like an object of of being a victim of playing a victim of just active addiction and numbing, I avoided really any kind of real feelings. And it was in, in 2018 when every I just hit rock bottom for the last time and everything came crashing down. I remember just walking in my house and, and having this feeling of just com- completely, I just completely lost everything. And I fell to my knees and I just cried out to God. And I remember just this this wailing, this gnashing and clawing type just wailing and crying out to God and just asking, just I, just telling him that I could not carry this load anymore and just asking that he would take it from me. It was, it was a real, real good moment for me in my life, and I just really felt like the spirit, that something just came into me and that that burden was gone, and I just felt this weight lifted, and it started me down that road to recovery that um, I've been on. So that is really... Um, kind of a kind of my background and a little bit of of my pain and my experiences and and where how I've gotten where I am today and that's really how I came up with go be love I would say that the concept of go be love and the the thought the way of life started a long time ago for me when I was a little kid and and all of those things were how all of those things were happening and the violence and just I, I knew in my soul that that wasn't what I wanted and I saw other people around me who needed me, and even in in that dark time when I was being used in the way I was, I was still able to recognize that there were needs around me, and I still had this drive and this pull to help, and I, I feel like that maintained itself throughout my entire life of abuse, of going back and forth through homes and institutions, and then through my, my life of active addiction. Um, that, that message of Gobi Love really stood out, and for me, my, my life is just, I've had so many dark and, and scary moments where uh, I just really didn't feel like I belonged and like I didn't have a connection to the world and there were so many times where I just it just got so dark and so painful that that I decided that I just didn't want to live anymore and that it didn't matter whether I was here or not because ultimately I, I wasn't a part of this I wasn't connected and um and I remember distinctly one time when I when I was was going to kill myself the decision was made and it was over that just a random stranger looked me right in my eyes and smiled at me. And it was just a really simple thing for them to do, and I'm sure that they have no recollection of it. But 
for me, it was just a, a moment where this, this stranger looked at me and smiled and it, it told me that I was a part of this, that I was connected, that I was a human being like them on their level. And it was just enough love and just enough motivation for me to, to not want to die anymore, for me to move on. And so for, for me in my life, there are just hundreds of moments and people who have just given me these little moments of love. And that's really why I'm alive today. And that's why I'm here. And, and that's why I survived what I survived. It was because all, all these people around me, strangers and, and people who were close to me, just, just gave me these little moments of love. I know what darkness feels like. And I know what depression feels like. And I know what suicide feels like. And, and if I can prevent that for anyone, I, I want to do that now. And that's what Gobi Love means to me. It's, it's the way that I live my life the calmness and the respect and, and the motivation that I try to have for other people. I, I really want to encompass that one body, that go be love. When you hurt, I, I physically, I feel the pain of your hurt. And when you're excited, I'm excited. And, and I really, um, that's what go be love means to me. And that's why I do it. And that's where the concept of it came from. And that's really a little bit about my background and how, how I got here. But but really this podcast and this whole season is is about thousands of other people who saw this simple little challenge go be love and took action during the beginning days of the coronavirus pandemic. So in those early days, I was doing what I always do every day, praying, doing my Bible study, and then and then kind of sitting on the front porch and having my coffee. That was my morning routine. And it was in day one or two of the pandemic when things were shutting down, but everything wasn't shut down yet. And and I had done kind of my Bible study, and, and I had prayed, and then I, I went out, and I was drinking coffee on the front porch, and I was just trying to be silent and just prepare for the day. And I, I just really strongly had this feeling. I just heard these words, go be love, and it was, it was, it was a pull for me to, to stand up and to, to right now stand up and go be love. I didn't know what to do, but I did have a little bit of a background in social media and marketing and stuff, so I went on Facebook, and I created the group... Um, surviving and thriving neighbors helping neighbors in indiana and i just put a little image that said go be love on it and underneath the image i wrote if you need help ask and if you can help help and i i just put that out there i didn't know what i was doing but i just went back to my coffee and within hours there were just tons of people had joined the group there were people asking for help and there were people literally lining up to help i mean we were we by the time i would see a post there were seven or eight people who had already helped, who had offered to help. It was it was really inspiring. And in the very first day that I put it on there, a single mother reached out to me. She had a newborn baby that had some complications, and she was pretty scared of leaving. Not, I want to take a second just to hit on that fear. That's that's really what motivated, I think, the Gobi Love image in the, in the group, too, in the beginning was that fear. Um, there was so much darkness and uncertainty and so much so many rumors and just nobody knew what was going on but there was a lot of fear and it was really obvious to me when I was like scrolling through Facebook that people were scared and afraid and no one really knew what to do and I, I really feel like that voice that, that just pulled me to go be love was really just like just give somebody light just give a little bit of joy and that's that's all you can do everything seems so out of our control so I knew that the one thing I could do was just be happy was maybe I can make someone else happy. Maybe I can make someone else calm. And in and, and that way, that's what I could control in that moment. And that's really the concept of the group that started. But but this single mom, 
like a lot of us was scared to go outside and she didn't want she didn't know kind of what was going on and her baby was going through some stuff and she needed groceries so i i uh, took her a whole load of groceries and when i walked in she had already kind of set aside this box of baby wipes and she said and and this was a pretty pretty low income um, woman with a newborn baby um, i could tell from the neighborhood and the house that i was in a lot of us probably have have life a little bit better than she did she had this box of wet wipes set aside and she said and this is before the whole wet wipe shortage thing happened but she had a box of wet wipes set aside and she just said I, I went through the house and i had a, i have a lot of these so can you give it to another family who needs it and i just remember driving home and feeling like man i, I think i'm onto something here like even today retelling the story a year later it still brings just so much emotion to me because this woman who was in fear who didn't have a lot who literally reached out because she was in need of food to feed her and her child was was aware enough to know that even though she was in need and didn't have these certain items that there were other people who needed something that she might have she was aware enough to see that and she had enough compassion and love for her neighborhood for people that she didn't know even though she was down and out even though she was hurting she still found something in her house to give and made it a point to do that and Oh man, that just that lesson that I learned from her that day is something that that I really hope always stays with me, and, and I really hope that resonates with all of you because it's it's just the smallest action, it's the littlest thing, it's it's the least we can do, and it makes the biggest impact. The ripple effect that it has is just amazing, and that woman, that woman and that baby will always be like an inspiration to me, and and just. And that's really when I knew I was onto something. So we just kept it going. And within uh, just a matter of hours, a couple of days, we had over 3,000 people in the group all over Indiana. We had to kind of divide the state in sections. We um, had people going all over the place, delivering groceries, buying groceries. We had um, people donating money just to keep it funded. We had people picking up prescriptions, checking on the elderly. Uh, there were a lot of floods in the beginning days of the pandemic in southern Indiana, and so we just had guys that just stepped up with their chainsaws and went out and were cutting down and clearing trees out of the way, out of driveways, out of bridges. Um, we had plumbers who were stepping up and helping with plumbing problems. We just, in, just in every way, people just decided that whatever gift that they had, whatever skill that they had, that they were going to use that to be good. And again, that's just that's, that is the lifestyle of Gobi love. And that's really what I want to get across is that it's time for us to stop saying that we have this free hour on Tuesday or Thursday. And so we're going to intentionally go help or go be loved during that hour. And that what we have to start realizing is that we were, we are so interconnected as human beings in society that every single thing we do has a ripple effect on everyone around us, whether we see it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, or agree with it. It, it has a ripple effect every single thing we do. If a random stranger can smile and save my life, then imagine what you can do if you adapt the lifestyle of Gobi Love. Imagine the ripple effect that you're going to have on your family and community. If just a simple smile can save a life, then what can you do? And really, what can you do for the people around you? And, and are you doing that right now? And if not, let's let's really analyze ourselves and, and, and make it a plan to just not only help when we, when we feel it's convenient, but to be love in what we do in our minds and in our lifestyles. And that's really what this group did. And so what we're going to do the rest of the season is we're just, we're going to bring these people in of all walks of life, the pe people who were served by the group, people who served, a lot of them did both, who just served across, who, who had something and needed something. Uh, we're, we've got some business owners who in the very beginning of the days realized that their business was shut down and maybe this 
all this food that they had ordered for the upcoming events or shows that they didn't need that. And so they donated so much of it and we had just turkeys and bags of food and just the amount that we were able to serve and give was so amazing. And so we realized early on that we wanted to keep that going even if the pandemic ended. At the time, we thought if it, even if it lasts two weeks, we want, after the two weeks, we want to keep it going. And that's where our organization, our nonprofit, Go Be Love, was built. It, it was formed out of that Facebook group. And so we're just going to hear stories of, of that and what Go Be Love means to these people and how they found a way to use their skills or what what little they had or their just their love and their joy to share that with people. And hopefully you can kind of internalize that and, and see a little bit of yourself and, and what they did or who, who they are. And that'll inspire you to adopt this, this mindset and this lifestyle of go be love. Mm-hmm.